Hi, singles! Welcome to the Big Fridays Podcast. B1G or B1 with God is a community of singles whose mission is to pursue the real purpose of life. I hope this message inspires you to seek, honor, love, and serve God. Magandang gabi po sa atin lahat. Um, it's nice to be able to be here. I know that this is sweldo, di ba? You could be out blowing all of your money right now. So we're so glad that you decided that you would be here for Big Fridays. And it's really a privilege for me to be able to be with you today. Kaso, no, medyo mahirap yung usapan natin ngayon. Because we're talking about prayer. And sometimes it can be a challenging subject. So before we start, I want to pray. Isn't that the right way to start? Before we talk about praying, let's do it. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for all that you have brought here to be able to learn from your word, to be able to understand. I'm sure there are many that are here that have questions. Many perhaps have disappointments and challenges that they've had prayers that they've been praying for a long time or that are not yet answered. Others just don't understand how prayer works with a God who knows everything. Father, I just pray that you would help us to understand how you want us to communicate with you. And Father, I pray that you would guide me, that you would empower me, that you would speak through me. Lord, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And by the way, I want to thank all of those that are online as well. We're so glad that you're with us. Actually, there's probably more of you than there are people here. So welcome as well. Now, let me just ask you a couple of questions as we get started. Have you met people who have perhaps stopped believing in God or perhaps just kind of slowed down in interest in spiritual things because they have been disappointed with God? Do you know people like that? Maybe they have not experienced answers to prayer or maybe they've gone through something difficult that they can't explain and it seems that the only person to blame is God. You know, one of the possible disappointments, as I mentioned, is that they didn't see God answer their prayer. And maybe you've experienced that as well. Perhaps you have not seen a prayer answered that was dear to your heart, and you're wondering why. Well, let me just suggest a few things that may cause people to be disappointed with God. Maybe you prayed for someone to get healed during the COVID time, and they were not. Maybe you prayed for a promotion or prayed for a new job and it didn't come. Maybe you prayed for a relationship and it didn't work out. I'm sure among this group, nobody is interested in that, but okay, we'll just move on from there. Or maybe there are deeper issues about God. Perhaps you wonder, if God knows everything that will happen already, what's the purpose of praying? He already knows I'm not gonna change his mind. Or maybe they think God, even if he exists, doesn't seem to care. I mean, look at the injustice, the evil, the difficulties around us. Why even bother praying to a God like that? He can't do anything about it. Well, are there people that you know that may think things like this? Or maybe some of you have had these thoughts as well. Well, these are tough questions. And I don't claim that in the next 40 minutes that we are going to give an answer to all of these questions. So please forgive me if I don't answer all of the, these challenging questions, but we're going to try to give it a try. 
So let me tell you what I am going to try to do during this session. There's four things that I want to talk about and hopefully to help at least in a beginning way to address some of the concerns that you may have. First thing we want to do is to acknowledge that these are tough questions. I think there's no way around it. There's not easy, you know, elevator, uh, elevator speech type things that you could say to answer a person's question in very difficult things. So we need to acknowledge that they are difficult. But then I want to show second that some of the problems are our assumptions, not God. It's not that God has failed, it's that we have the wrong assumptions and that's why we are disappointed. Then I want to show that God actually is good and he cares especially for his children. And that's why he invites us to pray because he wants to be able to have relationship with us. And finally, I want to challenge you that if you've lost faith in God in prayer, to rekindle that excitement by realizing or remembering that he really is a prayer answering God. So is that good enough for us? You think this is a good thing to do? Are you here? Oh, okay. Okay, well, let's begin by the first thing. Well, the first thing that I want to say is I want to acknowledge that these are difficult issues. Um, there's nothing that I can say in 40 minutes that is going to answer all of these things. In fact, the reason that these are difficult issues is because they are deeply felt. In fact, if you have been disappointed with God, maybe you have seen something tragic happen in your life, even though you prayed about it, God didn't seem to resolve it. You know, I cannot speak to that issue specifically, and I certainly cannot give you the reasons why. That's something that's beyond my pay grade. That's between God and you, and eventually, you're gonna have to take it up with him. But what I can do is say that we as believers, we need to be the ones that people can share their concerns with. They can honestly, openly say, I'm struggling. Something happened, I didn't see God answer this prayer, and now I am wondering where he is. There is nothing wrong with us saying those things. And for us as believers, don't feel that you need to have the answer to all of those things. You don't. But what we do need to have is compassion and concern for people that are going through those kinds of questions. So the best thing that you can do is listen. Not try to be a theologian and say, no, 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 your theology is wrong. You need to think of God this way. You know, you might get to that later, but the first thing you need to do is hear their stories. Find out what is going on in their lives and have compassion and empathy and let them know that you care because you are a representative of God and what they see in your response is going to point them to what God is like. So remember, don't be like Job's uh, counselors. Be the one that try to answer the whys of everything. We may not be able to do that, but we certainly can sit with those that are going through struggles. And another thing just to remember is there's nothing wrong with questioning God. In fact, there's nothing wrong with making tampu ke God, okay? You may think, that's weird. You know, David did that a lot of times in the Psalms. 
Habakkuk is a book about that. Lamentations is a book about that. There are plenty of people that went through struggles and it was okay to say that they are struggling. Let me just read to you Psalm 13, verses one and two. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? And he goes on through the rest of the psalm and pours out his heart to God and says, where are you in all of the problems that I'm going through? Is that okay to do? Yes, it's okay to do that. If you're struggling, God already knows it. You may as well tell him directly because he will listen to you. You know, as we talk with people who are disappointed with God, remember, it's not our job to correct them or instruct them. It's our job to love them and to care for them. And if you are in that situation where you are struggling, find people around you that are believers in the Lord that can just listen to your story. And if they don't listen, find somebody else because you need to share openly with them as well so that you can have somebody to go through the journey with you. So the first thing that I say is these are not easy issues. We acknowledge that. We don't just make this a trite, lighthearted thing. It is real, the things that people go through when they don't see answers to their prayers or they are disappointed with God. But the second thing that I would want to point out to us is that sometimes the problem isn't the situation or that God didn't answer our prayers. Our problem is actually our assumptions are to blame, not God. Well, let's look a little deeper at the assumptions that cause us to be disappointed with God, to question his goodness, or think that prayer is just a waste of time. As I mentioned, one of the biggest issues with prayer is that we are disappointed when we don't get from God what we expect, right? Have you ever been disappointed? You prayed about something and you didn't get it and you think, God, I thought you were supposed to answer my prayers. Have you ever felt that way? Are you already sleeping? Aganamani. Okay, let me ask that again. Have you ever been disappointed because you prayed for something and you didn't get it? Of course, all of us have. So why does that happen? Well, I would like to suggest to you that there is kind of a sequence of logic that we all take when we think about God answering prayer. And it goes something like this. If God is good, he will answer my prayer. Doesn't that sound right? If God is good, he's going to answer my prayer. But God did not answer my prayer. Therefore, God must not be good. Hmm. That's an interesting logic, but is it really valid? Well, I'd like to kind of dig a little bit deeper behind it because there's some assumptions behind this that may be questionable, okay? So actually in the first one, when we say, if God is good, he will answer my prayer, we're actually saying something a little bit different. It's, if God is good, he will answer my prayer, and then parentheses, so I will be happy. Isn't that really what we're saying? It's like, so that I will be satisfied, so that things will go well with me. 
So it's not just that he will answer my prayer, but it's he will answer my prayer so I feel good. Now, is that God's responsibility and is that God's real role in our lives to make us feel happy? Well, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. So should that thing that you're praying about make you happy? And usually that's what we say. If I get this, then I will be happy. So if God answers my prayer, then I will be happy and that proves that God is good. But if he doesn't give it to me, then he must not really love me. He must not be a very good God. You know, it could be that thing, that blank, that will make me happy. It could be a new job. It could be a car. It could be getting out of debt. It could be going on vacation. It could be healing a friend that has COVID. But if it doesn't happen and you're not happy, maybe there's something else going on. So... The second thing, the second statement is actually, God didn't give me the blank, and so therefore I am not happy, and therefore God is not good. Now, since you're all singles, let me relate this to something most of you have probably prayed about, and that is a future spouse, okay? Anybody here ever pray that God might give you a future spouse? Don't put your hand up, okay? It's too embarrassing. <laughs> Because I know it's 100% if you're really honest, okay? So. <clears throat> so imagine this scenario. Our brother June goes to Big religiously. Every Friday night he's there. Week after week, he sees this beautiful young lady named Diana across the room at a table on the other side, okay? And he knows that God has called them to be together for life. Okay, has he ever talked with her? No, but he just knows, okay? So June, what does he do? He begins praying, and he starts praying, God, please, please, please give me Diana to be my wife so that we will live happily ever after. I'm sure you never do anything like that, okay? But let's just assume. Now, as a typical CCFer, June prays, for three years before he gets up the guts to go and talk with Diana. That, you can laugh at that, okay? <laughs> I think the reason you're not laughing is because it's too close to home. It's too, too true, right? anyway. So finally, he gets up the guts to go and talk with her. He says he's been praying about, you know, uh, courting her for the last three years, and he finally asked her, are you willing for me to court you? And she says, actually, June, for two years I was praying for you to come and talk with me. But you never did. And so now I have a boyfriend from Victory. So June is devastated. He prayed for three years, but she rejected him. Now he doesn't know what he's going to tell his friends because they've been praying for him too. He is ashamed and he concludes, God just isn't good. He doesn't care about me. So he's tempted to stop going to big and to go to CCF and even to leave the, the faith altogether. So what's the problem? Well, forget about the fact that he waited for three years instead of going and talking with her. 
But the problem is the logic behind his assumption. The logic behind the assumption is that if God loves me, he is going to give me what I want, and what I want is Diana to be my girlfriend and eventually fiancé and my wife. And therefore, God is not good. See the logic? That's how it works out, okay? So the first assumption, if God is good, he will give him the answer to his prayer. But actually, if God is good, he will always do what is best for you not necessarily to give you what you think is the best for you. And that actually relates to an unspoken assumption that anything, a blank, whatever the blank is, a job, a car, a new girlfriend, whatever it is, is actually going to make you happy. In June's case, his assumption was that having Diana as his girlfriend would make him happy, but it's not necessarily true. Have you ever longed for something even prayed hard for it, and then when you got it, you found out it wasn't what you really wanted? Have you experienced that? Maybe your new girlfriend turned out to be the wicked witch of the West, okay? <laughs> Maybe the new boss in the job that you dreamed about turns out to be Hitler's cousin, okay? Or maybe the car that you dreamed about is a lemon and it broke down the next week, you know, there's all of these scenarios where we get what we want and we find out it wasn't what we really needed. So not everything that we pray for actually is going to make us happy. Now, as for the next statement, God didn't give me the blank, so therefore I am not happy, the reality is that often we don't know what's really good for us in the first place. We think something will make us happy or will be good for us, but it really may not be. I'm a little bit older than most of you, just, just a little bit. <clears throat> so let me share just a, a little of my elderly wisdom with you. Most of the things I thought would make me happy when I was young and what would fulfill me did not. I tried being popular, okay? When I was in, in high school, I tried to be with the cool crowd and eventually I became friends with many of them and I found out that they were just as insecure as I was and they were actually just good-looking losers, okay? I wasn't happy just because I had friends like that. I thought partying and having a good time would make me happy, but every time you go to a party or do the good time stuff, you have to ramp it up even more the next night because there's diminishing returns. Every time you do something, you have to outdo it the next day. I thought excelling in, in sports would make me happy, so I ended up being a varsity tennis player in college. And it was fun, but it didn't give me fulfillment. I thought being rich would make me happy. I still haven't gotten that one yet, but I've seen a lot of people that did, and they're not. Okay? So none of the go-to sources of happiness that are proclaimed by media, by celebrities, and by the world around us actually do satisfy us. It may give some pleasure for a while, but I believe that Solomon in the Bible got it right. Everything is ultimately just chasing after the wind. Solomon, if you might remember, had everything. In fact, we know from 1 Kings that God blessed him with everything because he humbly asked just for wisdom. But this is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He said, I bought male and female slaves, I had homeborn slaves, 
And I possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men, many concubines. Verse 9 to 11. Then I became great and increased more than all who had preceded me in Jerusalem. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind. Have you ever thought about that? That the things that you think are so important that are going to make you happy may not satisfy at all. In fact, God has put, according to Solomon, eternity in our hearts. As Blaise Pascal, the physicist and philosopher, once said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by the creator made known through Jesus Christ. Is it possible that God actually knows better than we do what is going to make us happy and what is going to make us satisfied? It's not just temporary happiness, but the deep down sense of fulfillment, joy, completion that only God can give to us. I believe that's really the root of our hurt and dissatisfaction with God. The assumption is that circumstances or material possessions or relationships will make us happy. If everything goes smoothly in our lives, somehow we are going to be satisfied. We are going to be fulfilled. But is that really true? I think if we look through scripture, we find that is not true. And I think even in our own experience, deep down inside we know that is not true. So when you are disappointed with God because some of the things that you are praying for, he doesn't answer the way that you think he should, remember that maybe the problem is your assumption about what is going to make you happy is, is wrong, not that God is not a good God, and not because God is not giving you what you think you should get. Now the third point that I want to point out to us is that actually God is good and he especially cares for his children. You know, God is good to everyone, but he has a special relationship with those that he calls his children. These are the people that can really count on God to be true to his promises to answer prayer. You know, where do you think of when you think of a model for prayer? For me, it is the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, it begins, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? It first talks about who God is in relation to us. It is our Father. Now, for some of us, God is simply a distant being. He may be powerful, and when we're in trouble, we may pray to him, but he isn't our heavenly father. We don't have a relationship with him. The kind of relationship that sees him answer prayers is the relationship of a father and a son. So it's significant that it begins with our father in heaven. He wants the best for his children. I'm a father. I understand that. You know, sometimes... I don't give what my children want because I know it's not good for them. When they were very young, 
There were times that I had to deny them of certain things because if they got it, it wouldn't help them. I believe that there's actually four different ways that God can answer prayers. I think most of us, we think there's only one way. He will say yes because he will give us what we want. And when we think of an answer to prayer, it's a yes. If it is a no, it's not really an answer to prayer. But I can assure you that if you have a relationship with your heavenly father, a no can be a good answer to prayer. But let's begin by taking a look at the yeses, okay? This is when God's will and plan for you and your desire are perfectly aligned. It's when God wants something for you and you also want it for you and those two go together and he can say, yes, I want to bless you with that thing. You know, I see this especially among young believers. God is a loving father, wants to shower blessing on his children, and he takes joy seeing them receive the blessings from his hand. You know, I remember the story my first discipler uh, back in high school told me. Yeah, even at this age, I still remember those things, okay? He told me about teaching one of his other disciples about prayer. Now, this was a young man uh, just came into the Lord. He was a baseball player, high school baseball player. His name was Dave. And my discipler was trying to teach Dave about prayer. And so he asked Dave, what would you like me to pray for? And Dave couldn't think of anything else, but he wanted a baseball glove. You know, that was what he really dreamed of. And in his mind, he had the perfect baseball glove. He was an outfielder, so there was a certain kind of glove, a certain brand, a certain model, certain color, and that's what he really dreamed of. But he thought, hey, I don't want to bother God with so many details. So he just told Daryl, um, I just want a baseball glove. Good enough. But Daryl didn't drop the, the issue. He said, no, what brand of baseball glove do you want? And so he kind of thought about it, okay, so he gave the brand. And then my, my friend Daryl said, what model of that brand do you want? And at this point, Dave is kind of feeling a, a bit uncomfortable, but finally he gives in and he says, okay, it's really this, this model and even this color. But in his mind, he said, there's no way I'm ever gonna get that because it's a high-end model, most expensive glove on the market. There's no way he's ever gonna see a glove like that. So, Daryl started praying, and he prayed for the new glove. And the next week, when they were supposed to get together, and usually Dave was late to the Bible study, or sometimes he didn't show up. This time he was there early. He shows up, you know, just excited to be able to meet together with Daryl. And so Daryl said, what happened? He said, you'll never believe what happened after our last meeting. I got home. And there was a notification from the post office that I had a package to go and pick up. So I went to pick up the package, and guess what was in it? It was a glove that was sent by my aunt as an early birthday present. It was the same model, the same brand, even the same color. I can't believe it. Have you ever had those kinds of answers to prayer? It's like, Everything just falls into place because God wants to bless you in a special way and he can do that. You know, what did it take to make that happen? He had to somehow get that information. We don't know how he did it to the aunt and she had to send the glove 
exactly three weeks before he was having a Bible study with Dave telling him about God's answers to prayer. God is amazing. He can do those things because God is a prayer answering God. But it doesn't always happen that way, does it? Sometimes when we pray, it isn't exactly immediate that you get the answer. You know, the second way that I see God answer is what I would call yes in principle, but not the details. Yes, in principle, that's a good thing, but the exact thing that you're praying for isn't quite what you really need. So sometimes when we pray, that's how God answers. I remember sometimes God has a sense of humor too. I was on a mission trip, uh, suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. Did you get that? I'm suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. Okay, anyway. Anyway, it literally was true. I was on a summer project with uh, Campus Crusade in Hawaii. Like I said, suffering for Jesus, okay? And while I was there, it's the, the policy of the project that we have to get a job to support ourselves during the two months of the project. And so when I went, I'm a tennis player, that's my sport, and I thought I would really love to get a, a job as a tennis player. And so what did I ask God? I said, Lord, can you give me a job that is outside, that is very active, I got a lot of, get a lot of exercise, I meet a lot of people, and I will make a lot of money, okay? Now in my mind, that is the description of a tennis teacher in Hawaii. You know, I'll be outside getting exercise, meeting lots of people, and making money. Guess what? I didn't get a job as a tennis teacher. Guess what my job was? I was canvassing for vacuum cleaner company, going door to door, knocking on doors. It was outdoors. I got a lot of exercise. I met a lot of people. And I made a lot of money. I actually did well at it. God has a sense of humor. Sometimes he doesn't say yes to exactly what you want because he's teaching you a lesson. And during that time, he was teaching me a lesson. Pray for what you really want. Don't dance around it. Pray specifically because he can answer specifically. Well, I've met many people who have prayed for a potential spouse. And as I am assuming, most of you have probably prayed that prayer. And usually we are convinced that we know who is the one, right? In your mind, you've already picked out who that person is. But like the, the situation with June, nothing happens. You know, in that case, God may be saying, June, in principle, having a wife is a good thing, and Diana, she's a wonderful person, but she is not the person I have for you. Of course, he may also be saying, Next time, June, don't wait for three years before you go and talk with her. But uh, that's another issue. In my own life, I remember while I was in college feeling that I was totally in love with a young lady who I had met on that mission trip going to Hawaii. Her name was Claire. She was beautiful, fun, loved the Lord, and we seemed to have great chemistry, perfect match. We talked for hours on the trip, watched sunsets on the beach, and I thought, she must be the one. So we kept in touch after the mission trip, wrote long letters expressing our love and our hope that God would 
bless our relationship. A few weeks after the trip, I went to Arizona, eight-hour drive to go see her, had a great time. But unfortunately, at least at the, the time I thought unfortunately, there was another guy that was also pursuing her. He also was a very strong believer. And he was already in seminary. He'd already graduated from the university, was preparing to be a pastor, and he was looking for a life partner. He was ready to get married already. Now, Claire made it clear to me that she really wanted our relationship to work, but she wanted to get married before graduating from college. But God made it very clear to me that that wasn't what he wanted me to do. So it was very hard, but in obedience, I stopped pursuing Claire. In the end, she married the other guy. Now, in retrospect, I see God's wisdom, and I'm so grateful. Claire wanted to get married immediately because she was very insecure, because she was not willing to wait and had not learned to depend on the Lord instead of a boyfriend or a, a mate. Her marriage to the other guy had problems from the beginning. She became very controlling. Eventually, their issues caused some serious problems, which less than 10 years later ended in divorce. You know, four years later, I came to the Philippines, and I met a young lady who was beautiful, intelligent, passionate for the Lord, and committed to missions. Three years after that, we were married. And I'm so grateful that God's answer to me concerning Claire was, in principle, getting married is a good thing, but this is not the right person. I'll show you pictures of my wife, our family, and our new grandchild in a little bit. So we have a yes, we have yes in principle, but we also have no. Have you ever gotten a clear answer from the Lord that is no? It happens. And it doesn't mean that God is bad or not a good and loving God. I remember as a high school student looking with envy on many of my friends that were into dirt bikes, motocross. I don't know if that's a big thing for some of you, but in our area of Southern California, at the time, it was a big deal. And some were very serious about motocross racing, and being a typical teenager, I wanted to experience the rush of racing dirt bikes. So I brought it up to my parents. You know, what if I went with them, learned how to, you know, to ride the motorcycle, uh, maybe get involved in some of the races, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll never forget, my dad gave me a very loud, resounding, reverberating, no, you're not going to do that. As long as you're under my roof, you will never ride a motorcycle. Whoa. The reaction was pretty, pretty intense. Now, as you can imagine, I wasn't that happy about that. In fact, at the time, I didn't have a very good relationship with my dad. I thought that he was always saying no to everything. And most of the time, I would try to evade his restrictions by cutting corners and doing whatever I could to avoid them. But in this case, I obeyed. And so I just dropped the issue. It was obviously such a big thing with him that there was no, no negotiation on this one. And I'll never forget the following sun, uh, summer, learning that one of my classmates who was into motocross died on a motocross bike uh, in some hills that are very close to where I live. 
And I remember that at the time, I thought, my dad is so mean. My dad, he doesn't let me have fun. He doesn't really care about me. But actually, the reality was, if it wasn't for him saying no, I may not be here today because I was the kind of guy that probably would have gotten into a wreck on the motorcycle. And by the way, until now, I don't ride motorcycle. And I certainly don't want to do it in Manila right now. Okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes our Heavenly Father says no to things that we ask for, and He doesn't give us the reasons. We just have to trust that His plans are better than ours, that He knows better than we do, that He is good even when we don't understand why He says no. And for some of you for whom this is new, this idea that God loves you enough to tell you no, Sometimes you just need to learn to trust a heavenly father that knows better than we do. But the final option is wait. Wait. Have you ever gotten that answer from God? Wait. My experience with my wife, Louie, has its own twists and turns. Less than nine months after we met, we decided before the Lord that he wanted us to get married. So... We started making plans, but we had a major obstacle. The leadership of the organization that we were part of had a very restrictive policy about cross-cultural relationships. Back in the day, uh, they didn't want people from two different countries to get together because there were logistical problems, cultural problems, and they thought that it wasn't a good idea. Not only that, but we were in the midst of a major outreach strategy and they had asked everyone to put on hold for at least a year any plans of getting married. So that meant that it would probably be at least two or three years before we would be able to get married. There were four other couples that were friends of ours during that time that were also cross-cultural relationship, either Filipino guy and American woman or American guy, Filipino woman, so, what were we going to do? Well, the other four couples said, who are they to tell us that we shouldn't get married? I mean, this is our lives. We should be able to do what we feel God wants us to do. And all four couples left the organization and ended up getting married earlier. But my wife and I prayed about it, and we said, you know, we really believe that God is going to guide us through the decisions of the leadership. We felt called to work with the organization. We didn't feel that that was a reason not to wait. And so we decided that we were going to wait. And because we waited, I can tell you, the leadership gave us more favor and more grace than probably anybody else in the organization. We were given opportunities for ministry. We also learned by waiting so many lessons that prepared us for being married. You know, two of the couples that we kept in contact with that left, that didn't want to wait, they left and they ended up having rocky relationships. They didn't go well. One of them divorced, another one they were separated for a while because they didn't learn to trust God and wait in relationships. You know, because we waited, we saw God's goodness because his answer wasn't no, it was you need time to make this right. You know, I know that there are many good things that we can learn, but I want to show you the result of waiting. And that is a couple of pictures that I have 
of our family. So this is my family. On the far right is my son, Michael. He used to work here for CCF for about five years, and he met Angel here in CCF. They are still living in Manila. Um, then this is my daughter, Sharon, and his, her husband, Josh, who are living in Southern California, and that's me and my wife, Louie. And then one more picture. This is the one that I'm most excited about. He looks really wide. I don't know what <laughs> happened to him. But this is Owen. He is our first grandson. So very, very cute. Uh, and I'm not biased at all, okay? <laughs> now, I'm going to skip over something that I wanted to share because we're kind of running short of time. But let me just say that in prayer, there are also terms and conditions that either allow us or hinder us from seeing answers to prayer. Let me, um, I'm going to give this to you later, but let me just say that I have listed eight of these, and I want to go all the way to the last slide, which gives all eight of them in, in consecutive order. Okay, so let me just go through this. There are eight things that actually, and we will see from Scripture, and we will give you the passage of, of of this, uh, these different references. And you will see that actually for us to experience God and to see the answers to prayer that we want to see, we need to meet the terms and conditions. Now, I know for many of us, we hate the fine print when you download an app or you download something, and it's like you're supposed to read through you know, 50 pages of legalese. Well, God isn't like that. He makes it very clear that these are the things that are requirements for us to be able to qualify for seeing him answer prayer. Let me just mention these. First of all, we need to be his children. As I mentioned, he has a special relationship with us. And as a heavenly father, that's why we have the relationship that allows us to be able to experience blessing from him. Another thing is we are told that we are to ask in the name of Jesus. And most of us, that means at the end of our prayers, we tack on, in Jesus' name, amen. That is not what it means. This is like an ambassador that is representing the Philippines and going, say, to Indonesia. They simply bring the message of the home country to the other country. So I am going to Indonesia in the name of the Philippine government, and so that is why I have authority when I go and talk with the people there. It's not because of me, it's because of who I represent. So when I pray in the name of Jesus, it means that I am praying according to the will of Jesus and in his authority, okay? We need to believe. We receive when we believe. We need to sincerely seek to follow him. I've met people that are far from God, but they are praying about something because they're desperate, and then they wonder why God doesn't answer their prayer. But in fact, they're living in sin. They're acting in ways that are diabolically or diametrically opposed to what God wants them to do, and then they wonder why God doesn't bless them because we need to sincerely seek to follow him. We need to ask in accordance with his will. We need to ask with right motives. We need to have no unconfessed sin in our lives, and we need to be persistent. Now, these are all prerequisites to be able to see God answer our prayers. And I think 
if we would look at these, many times the reason that we don't see prayer answered is because we are violating some of the terms and conditions. What do we need to do? We need to make sure that we are in conformity to the terms and conditions in order for us to experience the answers to prayer that we want. I'll try to give you the reference for these. You can look for those on your own. But let me just kind of summarize this and bring it home. Ultimately, if you are struggling, or if you know people that are struggling with prayer because they don't, you don't really know why your prayers haven't been answered, my exhortation, my encouragement to you is re-engage. Re-engage, what do I mean by that? You know, all of us at times don't understand all of the reasons why certain prayers are not answered. But the solution is not to turn our backs on God, but it is to go to God and ask him to show us why. What were the reasons? Maybe I had the wrong understanding of what prayer is. Maybe I was trying to do things to get something that isn't God's will. Maybe it's something that was going to do me harm. Maybe it's something that if I were to understand God's perspective, I would see that his plan was better than my plan. But in order to do that, we can't turn our back on God, we have to turn back to him in order to understand that. And I would like to give us four different ways to be able to respond. Um, will you give me four more minutes? <laughs> because I have one story that I think is really very powerful that might be, that prepares us for making that decision. I want to tell a story about a lady who actually used to be with us in CCF. Her name is Beth Sanders, married to Martin Sanders. They were missionaries here, worked with CCF for about 15 years, then went back to San Diego. And while they were there, Beth contracted COVID. I will simply read her story. It says this coming, July 30th, two weeks after my birthday on the 18th, marks the beginning of my painful near-death experience with COVID last year in 2021. As much as it's not something we normally want to remember, we celebrate our mighty God who in his power, grace, and mercy turned what the enemy meant for destruction to victory. It was shortly after my husband and I returned home to San Diego from Florida after he performed his beloved mother's memorial service that we both found ourselves battling the invisible COVID for our lives. Thankfully, my husband slowly recovered alone at home with the help of my children and many of you. However, I was rushed into the emergency room after my husband called 911. The last thing I remember was that I was checked in by the ambulance medical team to the ICU at uh, Scripps Memorial Hospital. Later on, I overheard my doctor saying, her oxygen level is dropping fast. We need to sedate her. I was immediately sedated and intubated into a coma, then given a tracheostomy for six weeks. During those weeks in the ICU, I was in and out of coma and was unaware of what was happening, except for some dreams and nightmares. 
including some spiritual battles as a side effect of the strong drugs and medication they administered to me. However, I was not getting any better. The doctor suggested that my husband signs a DNR, that is, do not resuscitate, and to be ready for bad news that if he calls at, 10, at 2 a.m., it's to let them know that they have pulled out my life support because they've done everything and it wasn't enough. But God, with his wisdom and guidance, led my family to refuse to sign the DNR, which I almost signed before I got sick, and chose to believe that God is still a miracle worker, prayer answering God, who is, an, who is able to heal me. My family got on their knees and cried out to God, even walked and prayed around the hospital building where I was admitted to pray for me like the Israelites did around the walls of Jericho in the book of Joshua. They contacted our relatives, church family, and friends from around the world to join them in storming God's throne of grace in heaven with prayers, remembering God's command in Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. With God's power and miraculous healing, I woke up from the coma six weeks later and was transferred to a long-term rehab facility for another four weeks. Even the doctors couldn't believe it. They called me their miracle woman. When I thanked my primary doctor for being my hero, for helping me get better, he said, oh, no, no, no. You are our hero, our miracle woman. We thank you for taking us for this great ride. I told him that I have a great God in Jesus and that thousands were praying for me. Then he exclaimed to the nurses in the room, I guess we should never underestimate the power of prayer. It was a fearful and painful healing process at time, but God in his grace and mercy changed my heart's attitude and perspectives from fear to faith, from grief to gratitude, from disability to rejuvenating time with God, from a dark, scary hospital site to a mission field that needs light. Let me just show you a picture of uh, their family. So this is their family. They have uh, a number of grandchildren. This is Beth down here. Last, I guess, two weeks ago, both of her daughters gave birth uh, one day after another. So those two babies that she is holding there, she wouldn't have seen them if God hadn't healed her last year. I can't tell you why God chose to heal Beth and didn't choose to heal many others that we know. I don't know why sometimes we ask God to take away depression and he doesn't. I don't know why sometimes he gives us things and other times he doesn't. But one thing that I know is that God is powerful enough to answer and he's good enough to know what is best for us and we can trust him with our lives and with our prayers. I want to just challenge you with a couple of ways to respond to this. For those of you who are not yet convinced or still are needing more certainty about God's goodness and reality, I challenge you to pray one simple prayer. Just pray this, Lord, if you are real and if you are good, I pray that you will reveal yourself to me. Let me say that again. Lord, if you are real 
And if you are good, I pray that you, re you reveal yourself to me. What's the worst that could happen? He might answer that prayer and show you who he really is. For those who know that God is drawing you to put your faith in him, but you have never become a true child of God, and you know that you need to receive him into your heart to make him your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you a moment right now to say a prayer of invitation to ask Jesus to come in to your life. For those that are watching via live stream, the same appeal goes to you. If you have never yet made that commitment to invite Christ into your life, I want to pray right now and give you the opportunity to do that. Let's pray together. If it's the desire of your heart to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to surrender your life to him this evening, just pray along with me as I pray this prayer out loud. Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I confess that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Right now I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Lord, make me your child. Give me eternal life and allow me to experience the plan that you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. For those that have lost your passion to pray as you once did, who may be discouraged, in pain, or disappointed with God, let's take a moment just quietly between your, you and him. Pour out your heart to him. Then ask him to search your heart, to speak to you, and to reveal anything or any action that you need to take to restore your spiritual passion. Tell him your struggles. And then tell him you trust him as the good God that he is. And finally, for some of you who are still struggling, I want you to commit today to tell a brother or sister, maybe around your tables this evening, or maybe at home with those that you are with, tell them the struggles, the challenges, the heartbreaks that you've experienced and ask them to pray for you. Lord Jesus, right now, I just want to thank you that you are a good God. I thank you that you are a prayer answering God, that your answer may be yes, may be yes in principle, it may be no or it may be wait, but we know that you answer our prayers and we know that you hear us. Father, I just pray for each person here that you would reinforce in our hearts that we can trust you and that we can lay bare our hearts before you and that we know that you are a God that is worthy of our trust. Lord, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to today's big podcast. Were you blessed by the message? Here are the discussion questions to help you process more. Number one, what stood out to you in the message today about prayer? How will you apply it in your life this week? Number two, in what ways do you struggle to pray? What are some of your hindrances? And number three, as we learned last week, Jesus is God. How does that affect your confidence in Jesus' ability to answer your prayers? And how can that knowledge help you encourage others to turn to God in prayer? Like and subscribe to Big Ministries Facebook and YouTube pages to keep you updated. That's B1G Ministry, both in our YouTube and Facebook platforms. Together, let's be one with God.